It's the Tiltcast, episode 530, 2023 Forward Look. And this week, guys, Noss and I discuss Marvel's Midnight Suns, Warhammer 40k Darktide, and the announcements from the Game Awards. Stay tuned. No awards were made. Ah. There's no delay. There isn't. That's two in-person cans. It's Tiltcast. We're back. Woohoo! It is the 9th of December, and one of the last shows we'll probably end up doing this year. Yep. I don't know how many more we're going to get in, like maybe one, two, one? May- maybe two. Definitely one. Next week, and then after that, who knows? Yeah, exactly. Both weekends are holiday weekends, uh there is, we got New Year's and we got Christmas both on the holiday, or both on the weekend. Yeah. And Christmas Eve is, most people are celebrating Christmas Eve on that Friday, which would be, so Friday, yeah. we won't record. Saturday, we won't record. Sunday, we won't record. Who the yep. fuck knows if anybody wants to record on Monday? I uh, know uh, I probably won't because I got work Sunday. Woohoo! Working Christmas Day. The one holiday I had to work this year. We bet your ma- your wife is happy. Actually, she understood because I haven't had to work at Christmas since the kids moved in. Yeah. Well, this is an M rated show. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. And there's no Rusty because he's baking cookies and fucking cookies. And with the two of us, you're gonna get about thirty minutes of bullshit. Bullshit. So I'm getting some news. Um, yeah, we just kind of just started the. Uh, yeah, the if you want to call them that, the Game Awards just happened, and uh, we'll get into that. I'll be honest with you, I didn't really grab a list of what they did because we totally want to do our own. Um, yeah. Well, and I don't let's know. face it, most of the time the the televised Game Awards is well, it's just on it, YouTube. It most of the time it's. Well, yeah, it is now. It used to be televised, remember? Yeah, it used to be on Spike TV. Yep. Um, but the that Game Awards show's never really been representative of uh, of most of the uh, journal game journalism community. Um, sure, there are some parallels usually, but. Um, uh, like for game of the year, but for for the most part, pretty much every other category is pretty much bogus. And a lot of time, game of the year, their game of the year on that show is not representative of the way everybody else feels. Well, so, for instance, I think the viewer's choice was Genshin Impact, which I didn't even know came out. Which, I mean, for whoever's watching that, right, like it wasn't even listed in most of their categories for anything. No, that's like the... They just... (laughs) That's like the... That's like the teeny bopper multiplayer game right now. It's what all the teens are playing. I think uh, Jason hadn't been here in a while. Lola Um, has definitely... hard up. She has a friend in you. (laughs) She, uh, She has jumped up in his lap. Like five times already at this point. We've had one thing I after mean, another come her, up. Her where... tongue has been in my ear enough that, yeah. 
It's back. Yeah, pit bulls are ferocious. Um, but yeah, it was just it's a it was a weird show. Um, I felt old a couple of times, like the artists doing stuff right. Like I don't know, I still don't know who Halsey is, nor do I really care. She's a <laughs> pop star that says fuck. It's <laughs> still a pop star, so. And you're performing for Blizzard, so there I you mean, go. a pop star is a pop star, right? Yeah. Like she looked kind of hot, but I think that's just because she is dressed pretty skimpy. So, I mean, she is genuinely pretty, but like, seem to have know. a decent I, voice. But yeah. I've never, I've never been much into into pop to begin with. I mean, uh, sure, you know, I can at times enjoy. Uh, Enjoy ones that I grew up with, right? That my parents listened to. Like, every, I can, it doesn't bother me, like, to listen to Celine Dion or Whitney Houston, but uh, I'm not going. That's pretty old pop. (laughs) But I'm not going in search of it, right? Right. But if it pops on the radio or whatever, I'm, I'm not completely against it. Most of the pop today, though, I think uh, tries way too hard to be uh, to be R and B infused or to be techno infused, and I just can't stand it. Well, the majority of pop today is written by about forty people that are putting things in the hit music mach- generator machine, right, and yeah. grabbing the elements of whatever was big the last time that something was screamed millions of times. I mean, it won't be long before AI's writing all of our popular music, right? I mean, that's just... That's the way it's going. Yes. <laughs> yes. Ma'am. She is uh, attached. I, I've had enough of your tongue for a little bit. Yeah, she's uh, finding creative ways to try to get up in Jason's lap. <laughs> She'll have her feel tomorrow. We're doing our biannual game thing tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Just recording tonight. She'll have a dozen. She'll have like 10 people over here that she Yeah, it's not that many. It's, it's really only two more people that are in our game night. Oh, yeah, that's true. It has kind of shrunk over the last few years, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, there are people that have all been on the show. I think people, if they've listened to everything, which is probably not everybody, right? Matt um, is on there and Dave's on there. I don't think Dave's ever been on this show. Nope, we've um, tried. John, John has been on here a few times. He's part of that as well from uh, Picking Up the Pixels. And Matt's wife, my friend David um, Peters, who's, I guess I said his first and last name or whatever. Let's call him Peters. And my friend Chris, who's also never been on this show. Um, but yeah, like not that much different than what we do on our, our biweekly game night that just hasn't happened for the last month. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's that time of year that um, I think all of us assumed we really weren't going to be. I mean, either between travel or just the holidays and then the fact that the biennial was coming up. We, we knew that already. So it's all good. It's just a busy, busy time of year. Um, and legitimately, there were... Uh, 
In fact, the last one we would have had, I ended up not being able to do because there was Girl Scout stuff. So, yay. Yeah, and Rusty's doing family stuff, so he's out. But um, that being said, um, we'll talk a little bit about current games and we can kind of dig into some of our impressions of the stuff that's coming out. The year's starting to wrap up. I don't know there's a whole lot left coming this year that's going to be any kind of game of the year contender. Um, collectively, yeah, no. we're kind of going through the big stuff. You're going through Modern Warfare, though you probably could give – did it even have a single player or was it all multiplayer? No, uh, there was there was a campaign still in the campaign. I mean, was was actually really fucking good. The like, how long is the campaign now? Is it down to like five hours? No, no, it was still a nine or ten hour campaign. Um, that's not the reason that most people play those games. That's not the reason most people play Call of Duty. No, but for me, um. I have I have a little bit of a special place still in my heart for for Infinity Ward and what those guys have done. I mean, what they did uh storycraft wise and and level design wise with uh the original Modern Warfare series are are things of legend that still peop that people still hold as the uh as the true uh measuring stick for for everything Call of Duty, that was the uh, that was really the first time that uh, uh, Infinity Ward, uh, Treyarch, and Activision had uh, any of them had really done something other than retell a story that's that's known. Right, every other Call of Duty before before Infinity Ward did Modern Warfare was they were all World War II stories, right? You were uh, to a certain degree reliving the D-Day missions or um, uh, or freeing Paris or um, the uh, um the invasion of Germany at the at the end of the war. Um, so I mean, uh, they they've always been really good story crafters, despite the fact that the campaigns, you know, are are short by normal storytelling game standards. They're still really good stories. Um, so I dig it. Um, we we also got got into Warhammer 40k Dark Tide. That's true. Um finally got you in on some of that. We've gotten through about four or five missions or something to that effect. Yep. We uh it it was certainly an interesting journey getting there, of course, uh after talking about last week uh when we recorded you you got you got for me. Thank you for my early Christmas. Um and uh we went to go play it a couple days ago. I had installed it and everything, but I hadn't launched it yet. And went to launch it, and easy anti-cheat kept giving me errors every time I tried to load the damn game. There wasn't anything easy about it. <laughs> and so it took, 
the combined efforts of Nos and myself, two and a half hours, uh, and Nos finding a solution to a to a completely different game that uses easy epics, easy anti cheat. So if you guys ever run into this, and this is probably pretty freaking rare, um, it's we had to go through and delete every registry key that had ever been installed with Easy Anti Cheat, and then install it and run it, and then it worked. Yep. So basically, and he deleted his Epic installer. Yeah. I mean, we went through. I went through multiple installs of the game, uh, completely deleting and reinstalling the Epic Store, completely deleting and reinstalling Easy Anti Cheat multiple times, trying to run the program as Every single iteration of the programs as an administrator, all of this, and it would still, easy anti-cheat would load up. Second it hit 100%, it says you have insufficient permissions or privileges. Sorry, it was privileges. Yeah, which was basically Um, telling us that it wasn't authenticating. Yep. So uh, if you ever run into an issue where... uh, on a multiplayer game where easy anti-cheat loads and it just keeps telling you you have insufficient privileges, go to your registry editor and delete all of the easy anti-cheat keys. Um, so that ended up being like a one-match night because it was like 10.30 by the time we figured all of that out. And I was like, I really should go to bed, but I didn't go through all that not to load the fucking game. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like we didn't really even get into it until the second time we fired it up. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, I really wanted to fire it up last night too. I just didn't have the mental space for it. Um but that game is like Justin Rusty said last week, that game is really solid. I really like the mechanics. It's uh the only, uh, um, I'd say probably frustrating thing is, uh, uh, like Rusty said last last week, race ray tracing still kind of broken. Um, it's not optimized. It's not optimized fully. Uh, you can definitely run it at at low. I mean, I'm running it at low on a twenty eighty, which. Uh, the let's face it, the 20 series cards weren't the best ray tracing cards. Um, that's first generation stuff. Um, but still, uh, even Cyberpunk, I can, um, since my monitor's 1080, uh, I can run ray tracing on on medium in Cyberpunk with uh. Uh, light rays specifically at high detail and the game still runs like 70 fps so it's not like my car can't handle ray tracing it can it certainly can do that um but figured out once the mobs in dark tide start coming my car chugged hard enough that I didn't even see something come up behind me and ended up uh, uh, incapacitated for a good bit of that match. <laughs> yeah, it, 
You probably shouldn't have ran rotor tracing to start. It's definitely a game that requires DLSS. I'm running on a 3080. Yep. I want high frame rates in a game like that, so I'm playing it at 2K resolution, right? With ray or with ray tracing on medium and the DLSS on performance. And I'm getting between on a real so I've clocked it in on a horde at about 65 frames. Yeah. And when we're not in a horde area, probably 80 to 90. See, and if I turn off ray tracing, it won't dip below 100 frames a second. Because I'm playing on a monitor, I went ahead and I, I've kept uh, uh, most of the graphical textures on medium because I just don't need them that high for for a smaller display like that. Um, so I was with, even with the ray tracing on and at medium settings uh, for the ray tracing. I was running 115 FPS until those hordes started. Then I was running 90, and then the point where I got incapacitated, my frame rate dropped to 20. <laughs> Oof. So there was something about that particular mob, that area of the map or whatever, that just chunked everything. Um, but then I put put ray tracing to low, and everything was fine after that so who knows man um i know it's certainly enjoyable it'll certainly get a uh uh honorable mention for the top five maybe if not make it into my top five i don't know depends on you how much to... i how much more i get to play yeah um but i'd certainly say it's definitely uh Definitely worth it. Um, right now, unfortunately, cross-platform plays not uh, not enabled yet. So, uh, if you've got a group that wants to play together, you'll want to be sure either everybody's playing it on Game Pass or everybody's playing it through Steam. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully they can uh, sort that out here in a while. But overall, I think it's definitely, definitely worth it. I actually enjoyed it more than I enjoyed Vermintide. Uh, Vermintide for me was a little, uh, little harder to get into. I think I wasn't necessarily as into the aesthetics of that game as yeah. I am the 40K universe. Um, I don't know. I've always had a love for for that particular side I, of the Warhammer. Yeah, I in its current like if by the end of this month like they've got some of the performance under control for Dark Tide, I think it's a pretty serious contender. I think Dark Tide has incredible potential to be um, as amazing as Vermintide 2. And right now I think with the performance issues that it has kind of holds it back a little bit. I would honest. agree. But the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay of that is very addictive and very good, and I like that. It is a video game-ass video game, and it does a really good job. Of, it, I Not, like the melee combat. This is going to sound crazy, but I think there's more nuance to the melee combat with this 
in variety between weapons than there was even with Vermintide to a degree. I would agree with that. Uh, because the melee combat is also a lot smoother than it was in Vermintide 2. It feels like I have more reason to use the heavy and the light, and I have more reason to use the block and the push. I have more reason to use the alternate hit with the push hit, because some of those is a block, push, wide sweep for like a horde. Yep. And then some of the some of the special attacks you get with the weapons do all sorts of different things. So one's a parry, um, which is pretty neat that I got pretty good at with one of my characters. So I get one of those berserkers would be coming at me, high overhead swing, and then I would hit the parry thing and then it insta-kill things, right? So like that was a pretty neat mechanic. Or it's charge up your hammer. And then you ever get that point where your belt's too tight? It makes yep. you hard to breathe. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, uh, like there's, I have a Warhammer, a literal Warhammer, Force Hammer. Yeah. And I hit the special attack button for it. It charges it up. And then I do a heavy attack and it decimates shit. The same thing with the chainsword. Like I talked about it pretty at length last week. Yep. Once you get to a point where you get one of those special weapons for a melee weapon and you start using it, you're like, oh, man, this is good. Well, and the the other thing I really like about the game that I think it ha- has a plus for it is the fact that almost everything set in the 40K universe game-wise until now um, has really tried to put a focus either on... Um, the fleets of the 40k universe or the space marines specifically um and this one putting emphasis on say the more expendable parts of the imperium yeah you're the heretics um versus uh Versus focusing on the regular army or the space marines is, is pretty cool. And they're surprised. I was surprised by by the amount of uh, that depth that they put into in the characters that in a game like this normally wouldn't really have any depth. You'll notice a lot more if you pay attention to the dialogue that's going on because the dialogue is all related to... The choices you made in the character creator, which is how they yep. kind of distinguish each character into their that. own. Um, even to the point where, like, there's one, Cadium, I think is the name of the world, gives you, like, purple eyes because it has something to do with the lore of that place. Yep. Um, so, like, and there's, like, some voice options for that planet you don't get for other planets, which is kind of interesting. Now, once you choose, like, your class and... You know, if you're if you have a female or a male body, you can't change those things, but you can change all of their facial features around as much as you want. There's a barber, so you can change quite a bit on the way your character looks, um, which is handy because some of the stuff looks better with certain helmets than others. Um, But Dark Tide's pretty freaking fun. I've had a lot of fun with it. I've. I've played it by myself quite a bit, but I've also been waiting for other people to play because I've been working my way through Midnight Suns. I want to say I've got almost 40 hours in that game, and I think I'm getting close to the end. Um, I haven't unlocked all the characters. I started playing more of the story missions. Like I said last week, I thought I would not like that game as much as I did. There's, It's got a pretty mixed rating between reviewers on people who really like it and people who don't. 
Um, so like to give you an example, like you do a mission based on who you did the mission with, you get some friendship points for doing the mission with them. And you don't have to do the mission with your main character. Your main character is a generic character called the Hunter, which is part of the story and part of the Midnight Suns. He's a character resurrected and then he kind of fits into the narrative. He's right. got a lot of crossover from the Avengers and from the Midnight Suns and from some other kind of standalone characters, uh, the X-Men. So, like, it mixes all that up. I think there's 15 total characters, including your own, that you're supposed to get. And right now I think I'm floating around at about 11, so I am definitely haven't gotten everybody yet. But um, so you go do your mission. You come back from the mission. You're depending on how the mission went and a lot of other factors I'm not sure I've figured out yet. You hang out with one of the guys, which means you get through a dialogue prompt, kind of like Mass Effect. But you can only do that with one person a night. And then after that, you go you go to sleep. Sometimes you get a cutscene while you're dreaming, and then sometimes you don't. You wake up, and then you go to the forge, and you you get, based on whatever rewards you got from the fight, you might go in there and create more cards. Um, they might be copies of cards you have, which means you can use those to strengthen them, or you can disassemble them to get essence to create other types of cards. Then you'll go out and you'll do like a training match or card combinations. And the training match will give you like extra friendship XP plus random buffs for the character you're practicing with. And then you go do either a story beat or go right back into the mission. So it has like that same different lengths of time for it, but same kind of cadence that Mass Effect did, right? You go back to the Normandy, you talk to everybody, figure out what the next story beats are, and then you go back to the next mission. Well, the missions are only about 20-ish minutes long most of the time. So yeah. I think there's an infinite amount of side missions, which get you the rewards to build up your cards. And then there's the story missions that pop up. And you could just mainline it through the story missions, but I, I genuinely like the combat. So once you get somebody to friendship level five, then you can build them up in a way where they get a special card that deals with like a better ultimate ability and then they get a special suit out of the deal. Nice. So, so I've liked a couple of the characters gameplay. So magic uses portals a lot and she can really manipulate the battlefield a lot. So I've used her a lot. And then Nico um, uses a lot of like dark magic shit that just looks really cool on screen. <laughs> she's a good support character, but also a high damage dealer. So she can either buff your allies, heal your allies, or turn the tables and do some really crazy heavy attacks. Saying you can kind of kid her out however you want. But like before every mission, I can kind of customize my deck. It's like, all right, I need somebody who's a controller, like somebody who can kind of like CC or tank or whatever. And then I need somebody who's a support class, which is usually my main character. I've kind of decked him out as a support class. And then a damage dealer that's just pure damage that can combo off of those guys. And there's a lot of different variety to the card building and the deck building there. So everybody gets eight cards. And you just build that deck. And then you take it out with you. And then you play it kind of XCOM style with those cards. Nice. Um, and then you use the environment as well as part of the cards. You get hero points for certain cards. And the environment attacks cost hero points. The hero points gotcha. buff certain cards. They are the cost of certain cards, but you usually get three cards to play with. But you can extend that out by 
if a card says quick on it, that means that you'll get a get your card play refunded if it knocks out the character on the field. And sometimes it'll throw reinforcements, which are usually like one hit kill guys, but hit the same hit as hard as the main guys. Yeah. And so you kind of build your hero points up off the guys that are one hit kills guys. And you can combo them into other guys. So like if something has knockback, you can knock that character into the other character and knock them both out. Nice. So after a while, you get pretty good at kind of figuring out how you're going to use this hand to decimate the battlefield. I like it. Um, it has some weird graphical hitches that I figured out that once I turned off V-Sync or frame limit caps that I got rid of. But to be fair, I'm also using a G-Sync display. Yeah. So I got rid of all of that stuff. It runs flawlessly. I've heard that I haven't even tried it because I heard the performance was really bad. But ray tracing is apparently a thing that doesn't seem to make a lot of difference. Um, I wouldn't imagine in that style of game. I rather like running at 120 frames a second all the time. <laughs> so it's at 4K 120 with DLSS on quality. Um, nice. But I've heard it can be weirdly rough in some spots. But that's almost all I've been playing is just Dark Tide and that. I'm at, with Ogre Tactics Ogre, I'm literally at the very last section of that game. And for whatever reason, I don't want to give it up. I don't want I don't want to give up the ghost. I need to just finish it. I've got like if I didn't have so much going on this weekend, I'd probably finish yeah. it this weekend. So how would you say that experience has been going on Steam Deck now that you're most of the way through the game? Flawless. It works. I don't understand there there's no way that would be they'd run on anything. It's enhanced from the original version, but the max the recommended requirements are like an like a 950 or something. Nice. Any nice. generation of card in the last like eight year eight years probably runs fine. Nice. I mean it should in that sense then basically run on any even IGPU. Um so Intel graphics Probably for the on last a, three or four years. I bet it'd run on. I bet it'd run on on your tablet without any. Probably anything. But um, yeah, and those who aren't familiar with Midnight Suns, basically, Midnight Suns is one of those uh, uh, Marvel teams that they break out every once in a while. That's usually a collection of uh, different uh, individual heroes or sections of teams like Wolverine's actually been part of them several times. Blade, Spider-Man. Um, That's all people in my party right now. Yeah. Um, uh, but in the comic books, basically, uh, that's actually the first time Ghost Rider showed up was in a Midnight Sun. It was in Robbie, Midnight Sun's it, arc. It's Robbie. What's his face? It's not the original Ghost Rider. Oh yeah, you you've got Robbie Reyes this time, but I'm talking about like in the comics, um, the first initial uh, introduction and story arc for Midnight Suns culminated in Johnny Blaze showing up as Ghost Rider. Yeah, so so I'm gonna just kind of. So the I'm stories, talking. for those who aren't Marvel fans, the stories are similar to, like, Justice League Dark. Midnight Suns usually deals with the heavy supernatural shit. This does, too. 
So like the heroes that I have though is I have Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Magic, Nico, um, Ghost Rider, Spider Man, Wolverine, um I'm missing Blade, Captain Marvel, and I feel like I'm missing one. Captain America. I have Captain America right now. Gotcha. Nice. So that's and then of course my generic ass character, which actually kind of looks cool. Um, has some great abilities. Too. I hope they give you Man Thing. I don't. That'd be awesome. I don't know. I feel like I. It would be spoiler. There's another character I ha- I think is going to unlock here pretty soon, but I don't want to say who it is. Um, but yeah, gotcha. like it starts you off in, um, Doctor Strange's yeah mansion. Yeah. I mean, that is where most of the supernatural shit goes down. Yeah. So <laughs> in the first five minutes, you realize that that's where it's going to start. And I love Doc. I'm a big Doctor Strange fan. Oh, yeah. I was a Doctor love- Strange fan even before he was popular. Not at the danger of sounding like a hipster. That was always one of the comics I enjoyed. I just like the um, supernatural stuff, but I always thought Doctor Strange was cool. I do like. Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange as well. I like the Doctor Strange movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, out of the movies, like there's some of my favorite movies for the Marvel verse stuff is Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, even the last one was great. I, I'm of the I'm of the opinion that the Benedict Cumberbatch casting as as Stephen Strange is on the level the same amount of integral genius as it was um Robert Downey Jr as Tony Stark i mean it just it fits he fits it perfectly um i mean enough so that uh the first time i saw him uh I mean, he looks like the vast majority of the comic book iterations of Doctor Strange. So, I mean, that was just perfect. And his mannerisms are amazing. Um, But yeah, so Midnight Suns is a good game, sounds like. so. Yeah, there's some people that think the writing's kind of bad. I think it's pretty serviceable, and I've gotten into it. I've gotten into the character interactions a lot, which is weird coming from me. I think it's because it's in small bites. Right. Well, I mean, let's face it. The, I think people will have a recency bias when it comes to story because until, um, until Spider-Man for the PS4 came out, um, the vast majority of the roster that I won't say, but some of those are behind are locked. Nice. Okay. Got it. So I'm missing one, two. Two. Yeah. Um, There's 14 total. The uh, Because up until that one, for the most part, the, uh, uh, the games were uh, bad adaptions of TV series or movies. Um, or they were just fighting games with zero story, right? So the the level of storytelling and the quality of the story that Insomniac 
did with Spider-Man was so far above anything else yeah, that had was, been done before it. It was almost at Batman level. Um, well, I actually think it was at, at uh, Arkham Asylum level. The writing um, in Arkham Asylum level was better. Uh, but Arkham Asylum, the Arkham games, and then by extension Spider-Man, have taken that expectation for storytelling in a in a superhero game to uh, to a whole different level, um, and I feel like that's probably unfair um, to any other uh, any other franchise that may try to start. Yeah, I won't. I'll um, say that the story is serviceable, but the combat and the card mechanics are excellent. And the reason I continue to play side mission after side mission is because the combat's that good. I read a review um, just trying to, like, quite honestly, like, trying to figure out what was wrong with me because I'm just trying to figure out why other people didn't like it, right? And some people were saying the side missions are kind of samey. There's a lot of gameplay that can be unpacked here because you can play these missions as long as you want, so... If you're to just play side missions early on without progressing the story, they are basically the same three things. As you unlock the story, they unlock different mission types from the story that are gotcha. completely different with different variables. And you have to unlock those to get more variety to your side missions. So it starts the side missions with like, defeat the guys with the cards that open the crates. Then it's like, defeat all enemies, and then it's like protect the thing or destroy the thing, right? And then it progresses. I've got one that's like, hit the alarm to generate more enemies um, and beat as many, many enemies as you can. So there's like an alarm you can hit, which will draw in a whole nother wave. And if you can survive and beat everything or beat a shitload more, you get more rewards. Gotcha. There's another one where there's a, like different boss encounters that will happen that are like, kind of like special elite enemies or sub bosses that you got to beat that draw in like these modifiers that happen every single wave. There's a weird hacking one that happens as well. That's part of the story beats and they continue to kind of grow the story beats. And then you'll have um, like main villains that you encounter in the story that you don't completely beat that will just kind of drop in and continue to fight that you'll have to down like one or two times before they leave the arena. And sometimes that'll happen kind of randomly as part of the mission. And so I think the the thing that Jake Solomon's team with the, the XCOM team, right, at Firaxis does really good is the strategy layer of these types of games on keeping it fresh. And they've taken the strategy layer, layer of the card play, card game, you know, that's kind of crept back up in the last few years. Yeah. And mix that in with a lot of XCOM style stuff. There is no Overwatch. There is no cover, etc. Um, it's all about figuring out because you'll see who's going to attack next, and you can see if they're going to kill you. Like any one character, like you can kind of predict out who's going to attack who, and you can predict out if a certain character is going to die on the next turn. So you're like, oh, well, maybe I need to take out these guys that are attacking them, or I need to play a taunt card 
or I know that this character, every time you attack them, taunts them, so I'm going to make sure that I attack them with one of the other characters to pull that aggro off this character so that I don't lose this this, char- this character this turn. Right. right. Or maybe I need to throw a shield on them, right? Like, I've got Captain America. He's got an ability that'll throw shields on somebody and then taunt the enemy off of them because he's basically a tank character that can take out a lot of small characters at a time. Um, I don't know. It's got a great strategy layer. It's, I like it a lot. It, after I beat it, I'll reserve my judgment, but I, it's just hit a itch with me and I just can't stop playing it. So midnight sounds pretty fucking good and it's coming out with some DLC packs. Um, I like it. Not everybody does. I do. Um, well, moving from something we like to something we don't. Uh, we already touched on this a little bit. Game Awards uh, happened this week. And they showed a new trailer for for something I now despise even more. What's that? That is the animated Mario movie. Or I should say Chris Pratt trying to be Italian. I just, I don't get that casting. It's like a cash grab. Instead of servicing the story, you just went and got the biggest star you could. I don't understand that. I don't either. But it's, it completely breaks the immersion. When you hear his voice in the trailer, you're not thinking Mario. You're thinking, oh God. It's Star-Lord trying to be Mario. (laughs) It just, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. That said, I'll probably end up watching the movie because, you know, I've still got two little kids at home. But, but I can't say that, uh, that I'm, that I'm impressed by either one of the two trailers for that movie at all. Um, just on that simple fact alone, the rest of it looks great. Like the animation, they've got that 100% pegged. I gotta say Bowser looked great, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, the rest of it just does not, that Mario doesn't fit. Um, but ultimately we'll end up seeing how it turns out. Um, a little late for him to recast that, sadly, but who knows? Well, the next section of the show is going to talk more about the game stuff. So do you want to take a break before we jump into that? And then we'll talk about the game, the game release trailers that we saw at Game Awards and just not talk about the Game Awards. Yeah, sounds good to me. Well, just uh, so we can focus solely on that real quick, I will say the biggest news story uh, this week um, coming out of of the publishing world is that the FTC this week officially uh, filed a lawsuit to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Oh, wow. Yep. So it is it is official that you know the biggest uh uh anti-consumer governing body in in the world really is is really going after this which I'll be honest kind of surprises me with as much uh 
Um, with as much as come out about Activision Blizzard, that was the one thing um, I said from the beginning kind of made sense. If Microsoft's goal really was to go in, possibly reconfigure the company and, and actually try to turn it around, um, I really don't see how regulators can't see that as a good thing. But if they're if they're honing in on um, the misnomer that Nintendo and Sony have put out there that it um, it's anti competition for the fact that it uh, takes things like Diablo and Call of Duty and makes it Microsoft exclusive is is uh, barking down the uh, I think barking down the wrong side of that argument there. It is not in Microsoft's best interest to make those console exclusive to Xbox and PC. It's just not. So, I don't know. We'll see what we'll see what shakes out. I mean, the this just means that the you know, the fight is on and who knows how long who knows how long it'll take. Yeah, I was looking for the uh, release date, but there's a... Well, I'm looking for that. Okay, there we go. So Witcher 3 is getting a free update, to my knowledge, for ray tracing and some additional quality of life performance updates. Yep, in fact, that's supposed to hit in seven days. Oh, you're, you're counting it down. I am. Because it's going to have RTX support, and there's a quick cast option for the signs, and they added another quest to the game. I mean... I've got to finish everything I've got on my plate because I do want to play it again. I mean, that is the one thing that that could truly make that game feel like a complete upgrade. Because while the lighting was good in the game, you got to admit that um, uh, that it can feel fairly flat and bland sometimes. So. if uh you know it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact uh ray tracing can really make on that if it can make the lighting more dynamic i mean they'll just make the witcher 3's graphics were already excellent uh when it came out they still look good today that could make it look like a game from one or two years ago though if implemented correctly if implemented correctly, we'll watch this on the big screen. But I found the uh, I found an 8K video from Nvidia. Oh. Okay, yeah, we're gonna have to watch that. So we'll be back, guys. back woo so that was a interesting break so we got distracted with rtx decided to watch a bunch of witcher stuff started with witcher with mods not realizing it but because like damn that looks good then we found the actual footage and there wasn't enough of it for us to really tell so it's a free update both me and jason have it on you have it on pc right yep um and you have definitely have a card that can run it so 
We'll be yep. probably testing that pretty quickly. I've told Jason on the break, I was like, shit, I've got to beat God of War, Ogre Battle, and uh, I think those are the only two long games I got left. Yeah. Um, but then in that, we found the true gem of the evening. Yeah. It was super random, but there was something on Steam that said Portal RTX. I was like, Portal White, Portal what? And Actually, you noticed that when you were downloading the game ready drivers for for uh, Witcher RTX. Yeah. And so it's a free download if you own Portal. And I just hit add to library and hit play and it downloaded. It's a pretty big download for an older game. It's like 23 gigs. No, it was 11. Well, was it? 11 what downloaded. Okay. I think 23 is probably the entire thing. Probably after it unpacks. Or, or if you don't already have Portal installed. But... It's, um, uh, we, so, tip, we didn't realize this. At the very beginning of the game, there's a, some little text, and I was running at 4K at the beginning, yep. so it was some microscopic text, uh, because <laughs> yeah. it was uh, not adjusting the HUD for at all. resolution, so I'm playing on a 65-inch OLED, and I'm sitting on my couch with my laptop tray, and I'm like, I can't even read this. I had to get my face, like a foot away from the screen to read that HUD. But we noticed that it said hit Alt X to pull up NVIDIA Reflex because it was running like dog shit. Yeah, we loaded the game and it was running like 20 frames or less. It was nausea inducing. And so after we figured that out, we started with like ultra performance because it was running so bad. Yep. And, and then ultra it was like, performance looked good, but... It was hitting At, it was hitting the 120 fps cap that I have on that yeah. on that TV. But also I noticed uh on ultra performance so whenever you looked directly at a light source you'd have these these weird uh it was almost an artifact like the the light source would flicker and pop. Weird. Um I didn't quite notice that with you and your eagle eyes, but the I'm so used to seeing glare because I wear glasses, but the uh, we put it on performance is kind of where we landed yep. uh, to get the best look of it. But probably could I'd probably be okay even dropping it down more to just get some of the extra pretties. To be honest with you, as long as it's running about sixty, I'd be fine. Yeah, because it's not like you need 120 frames a second in that game in particular. Maybe when I get to... We were looking for the infinite drop. So I was playing from the very beginnings, and I know that's going to be a minute before I get to the yellow yeah. or the orange portal. But it does make a pretty big impact on the graphics of that game with the reflections and everything else. Like, it well, shinied the, the whole thing up. The new textures that they introduced with NVIDIA Reflex are fucking amazing. It, yeah, it that makes it makes a fifteen-year-old game look like a couple years old, texture-wise. Maybe I mean there's still some blockier I mean, shapes in that game. There are definitely blockier shapes, but like when you looked at the button, like the floor button, those yeah. were just solid red masses. Yeah, and it's a semi-translucent, like, button. And you can see all of the 
the actuator and the gears underneath it and there's like an orange light underneath it like yeah the level of detail there was pretty fucking amazing for portal that was we're not even talking portal 2 here which was which was practically a pretty damn big jump from the original portal like all of us were amazed at at the second game this one just ratcheted it up even further i hope they do portal 2 cuz i would love with this kind of level of detail and everything to like jump on that online with you and like play through oh, play, portal play, 2 play co-op yeah that would be great yeah, I just put it in our special thread that uh, Portal RTX is boss. So now I've got two old games that I kind of want to play over the Christmas break, and it means I need to hustle this next week and beat, like, three games. I need to beat Ogre Battle, Midnight Suns, and God of War. I mean, Oh, that... fuck, i gotta beat, I got to beat Horizon. I don't even want to play that. I know that I'm, like, the odd man out. I know you liked Horizon. I wish I had a physical disc so I could just loan it to you. Yeah. It'd be nice, but hey. It, the problem is even if you had the physical disc, you couldn't loan it to me because I don't have a PS5. Well, uh, here's the even sadder thing. I bought it on PS4 and did the free upgrade because I didn't want to spend $70 on a game. <laughs> I did the digital upgrade. <laughs> That's amazing. Um it's not that hard to buy the PS4 version of a game on the stores. I totally did that. I I just didn't want to spend seventy dollars on a game that I was kind of wishy washy on. And yeah. I'm here's the thing. I just need I again the odd man out. I was trying to explain this last night to my crew, the other gaming crew that they also like video games. We play a lot of D and D adaptation games, but. They are real big fans of Horizon, and I think I'm just a bigger fan of dark fantasy. Not necessarily horror, but like bordering on horror. I like dark fantasy. I like grotesque creatures. I like that kind of stuff, and the aesthetic of Horizon is robot dinosaurs. And that aesthetic doesn't click with me as well. I also like post-apocalyptic stuff, and I know that has some of that, so that kind of like offsets a little bit of that. I just don't like robot dinosaurs that much i like actual dinosaurs i'm a big jurassic park fan of the originals not the new ones um i mean you played the shit out of arc yeah so but which has some robotic dinosaurs i don't i just it's a really good looking game and i really hate the name alloy it's such a dumb name um yeah alloy is kind of annoying and i don't like the character that much i know some people out there just screaming at me i just don't i'm sorry um but that aside, like I need to play it because I know that Rusty's going to have it on his list, and I need to play God of War. And I, it's weird that I'm in that space of I need to play that game. The games that have been clicking with me this year have been games that are not as narrative driven, that have core gameplay loops that are really good. And I live by myself, so I seek out a connection with people or in conversation, and I don't get that with a game that wants me to listen and pay attention to it in that regard so if i and i have that add issue of i've got to focus on two things at once at all times unless i'm with a person with a person i can focus on what i'm talking about etc but when i'm playing a game 
I'm going to do one of three things. I'm going to talk on Discord, I'm going to listen to podcasts, I'm going to listen to music. And I can't do any yeah. of those things in a heavily narrative-driven game, which is why Elden Ring resonated so hard. You get to points where you need to pay attention, and there's a whole lot of in-between of you doing things yeah. that are not part of that. It is there's, it sad that it didn't... I didn't miss anything narratively in in Zero Dawn while still having a Bluetooth one ear Bluetooth earbud in and listening to podcasts while I played through that game. I I I can't I can't listen to two I, conversations at the same time. Oh, I totally can. But my ADD works a little bit differently than yours. I'm when I'm I can only focus on one audio thing at a at a time. But that gets me off to some of the drink, the dream trailers, game trailers. Um, there's there was a lot of game trailers that happened, and some of those were actually pretty good. Um, I don't care about what the game award said. I don't disagree too hard on the Elden Ring thing, and you guys are gonna have to fight me pretty hard on that. Um, I mean, I don't disagree on that. Well, you haven't played it yet, though. I I've not played it, but. I mean, from a from an aesthetic standpoint, I feel like even if I played both games, both Horizon and that, um, the thing I I would say is that would probably edge El Elden Ring out for me is that it's finally taken that step of giving you Dark Souls. But at the same time, giving you an open world. It's here's what's here's and what, the story is much more cohesive and a little bit more apparent. Here's the thing, which about, is one of those things that always bugged me about the Dark Souls games is the f fact that you really had to hunt the story down. Elden Ring has a more cohesive story and direction than Dark Souls. It has more accessibility i don't mean accessibility as in like colorblind features or things like that i mean in the way that you can summon things to help you out with fights and it is boss battle the game there are so many there's many bosses there's world bosses there's all sorts of little dungeons you can delve into there are all different types of approaches you can have with each different encounter and area and you can grind if you want, or you can go for the challenge of doing something, or you can be like, I really want that weapon that guy has, and then I can just fight that type of enemy till I get all of their armor and all of their weapons, and then I can upgrade it. And that level of do what you want and have a fun time doing it, even when it's really hard, like I beat, I think I beat every single dragon in that game. Yeah. Um, I beat every single boss. I, I, there's probably one or two mini bosses I missed through my playthrough. I had over a hundred hours played in that game, and then Horizon reached, released at the same time, and I just could not even touch it. In my head, it's just the quality on that game is leagues ahead of everything around it. And the only thing it could probably use is an engine update to make it look a little bit prettier. But the art design saves some of that because the art design is fucking killer. But speaking of that right you know at one game of the year for the game awards or whatever but um there are prettier games like 
uh, God of War is prettier, and Horizon is ridiculous looking. Um, that is something I can I can say. But there are some things that released that were in that vein of dark fantasy that I just didn't expect, and that just kind of came out of nowhere. I, I knew stuff was coming out, but I just had forgot about it, I guess. Um, the Warhammer 40, 40K Space Marine 2 was released, their trailer, and that came out originally in 2012. Yeah, that has me pumped, because Space Marine was a epic fucking game that I feel like was in the end too short. I mean, both you and I both came away wanting more of that it game. It's probably like 13 hours long or something. Yeah. Um, so absolutely pumped to see that. The trailer looked amazing. Um, it definitely looked like there was some actual gameplay in that trailer instead of it all being cinematic. And the gameplay looked good. Um, so I'm excited to see more from that. I am too. And then Baldur's Gate 3 finally released a release window of August 2023, which I'm glad I didn't buy that in like 2020 to play the first part of the first level over and over and over again. But I'm excited for that a lot because it's Larian Studios and they did a fantastic job with the Divinity series. And then Lords of the Fallen released a... Basically a two, and they're kind of rebooting that game world. Um, so it's supposed to take a th place a thousand years after the original reboot. The one thing that Lords of the Fallen was has a has a cool aesthetic, but it's like a dumbed down Dark Souls with really it feels like everybody's boots weigh ten pounds because like it didn't feel like they dodged that far, it didn't have as many iframes as Dark Souls. Yeah, it really wanted you to time blocks and parries a little bit more than Dark Souls and. The combat wasn't as precise. Uh, I start to say overall the combat always looked chunky to me. It was one of those games I wanted to play and never really got the chance. But every video I watched, uh, I even watched you play some of it. It just seemed chunkier in a lot of ways. Um, that said, there was also a trailer for... Um, the new Star Wars uh, I, Fallen Order. Yeah, I'm I'm hyped for that. I still think that uh, the main character has a better face. He's just a really, really generic looking dude. Yeah. But the gameplay and the story of that game was yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, it's one of the, and, my favorite actual Star Wars games. It's pretty fucking good. And Jedi Survivor looks like it's... At least from a gameplay and a graphics perspective, look even better than than the first one. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. There was... So the thing that I think kind of like took the cake for me is the Death Stranding 2 announcement. I'm hyped. I really like Death Stranding. And that's, Dude. again, here's what Death Stranding got right for me. So there are big, empty moments in that game where it's just playing low roar and it's just you doing stuff. And the gameplay loop of weird Amazon delivery driver and the apocalypse was really fun for some reason. It shouldn't have been. By all accounts, it should have been an extremely boring walking simulator. But they turned the traversal into part of the game, uh, as well as with you rebuilding roads and all of those other things, and then you having to fight the weird darkness creatures, right? 
That yeah. game ended up being way better than I expected it to be, and maybe that's why I liked it so much after I finally got into it. I was telling Jason earlier, like, I got 99% done, and don't spoil it for anybody that hasn't beaten it, but there's, if you've played, beat the first one, you'll understand the trailer better, from my understanding. Yep. Um, so. It, there, There's a lot of context there, context there that was not lost on me, that's for sure. There was a pretty major expansion trailer for Phantom Liberty, which is Cyberpunk 2077's next year expansion. Um, they mo-capped Idris Elba. Um, I mean, that's cool. Um, I have nothing against Idris Elba. I mean, I, an, I love that actor. I mean, he he's he got some really hammy, like really good stuff. He has some really hammy stuff on social media that's pretty funny, but I'm interested to see what they do with it. There was a really weird release for Diablo 4 with, again, I don't know who she is, but Halsey, which I said was the pop star that curses, I guess, and that makes her cool somehow, that was dressed up like a succubus. And that was probably the only thing that was very, that interesting to me about that. But they released a... Um, cinematic trailer for Diablo 4. I have heard, I want to say it was PC Gamer did a piece on this earlier this week that said the gameplay so far for Diablo 4 was pretty fucking tight. And I know you can get into the alpha release right now. I don't think I'm going to do that, but I am really interested in a good Diablo. That's another one I need. I need to beat 2 remastered. I just, yeah. So I just haven't been in an ARPG mode. You know, it's sidetracked for just a second. I think the part of the problem I have, too, is I have disposable income that I didn't have the last four years. True. Um, and I can get anything I want. And I'll get it thinking, oh, I want this right now, but I'll still be playing something I was playing before, and then I never get to it, or I kind of like start it and never finish it. And so I have about 10 titles like that right now that are sitting in my library that I need to finish, but I can tell you none of those are Game of the Year material. Um, they didn't, speaking of something that's just going to end up on our list and on our discussions here in a few weeks, Vampire Survivors got a free mobile release. Yeah. I 100% am an unabashed ambassador for Vampire Survivors. That game is great. It is. And, I mean, it can run on a, you know, if, as long as you're, as long as your CPU is decent, it can pretty much run on a potato graphically. So it it's, makes sense on a mobile platform. Yeah, it's CPU intensive, though, so I'm curious as to how that version varies. But it should be available now. They had a, a trailer that I thought was kind of neat. I'm really interested in the Suicide Squad um, game, and that's set to be released on May 26th. Um, it was interesting during the Game Awards that they paid some, uh, they said thanks Kevin at the end because they got Kevin Conroy to pay, play the voice of Batman through the game. So awesome. um, that looked neat. Jason mentioned this earlier before, but uh, they released the Mario Brothers game, or game, movie trailer. Um, yeah, the second trailer. Yeah. Um, they oh, showed Chris, more of Mario and... I just still don't like it. It just looks uh, like a video and, game with voice acting. And most of it, uh, most people don't like his voice as Mario and don't understand it. Now, that said, like I said, I'll end up uh, uh, seeing the movie because 
I have children, but uh, I just don't see see the appeal of Chris Pratt as Mario. It's the wrong voice actor. Yeah, it really is. There is another one that I didn't show you, but there's a Hellboy game called Web of Weird that's launching um, next year, and it's done in a comic book art style. It almost looks kind of it almost looks kind of like an anime style, not totally anime, just in the color palette that was used, and in the uh, it looks a little bit framey, kind of like anime does, you know. So I'm curious as to what that's going to be like. Um, we got another trailer and a release date for Final Fantasy 16, so it should be out on June 22nd. Um, I'm not sure how the battle system's going to work, but I'm curious. Um, Hades 2 was announced as well. So Hades 2, Hades, Hades. Um, it's going to relaunch early access next year. I'm going to wait until it's all the way out before I play it, because I also need to beat original Hades. Again, that game didn't click with me like it did Rusty. Rusty played the hell out of it. <laughs> Phrasing. Uh, yeah. There was a game I showed you that... So, quick history lesson with, with us. The very first packs I went to, um, we were only about 30 episodes deep. But through that, we made a lot of friends. We had a lot of fun with a lot of people. We had our own, like, booth for that. I say booth. We had, we got to sit in the press room. Um, and it was a really fun experience. We had press badges, but we weren't IGN. And me and old Tiltcaster Andrew went to go interview Ken Levine. And he was a fucking cocksucker to us. And it has shaded my opinion on Ken Levine for 10 years. Um, Don't blame me there. Bioshock is cool. I get that. He had a game studio, and apparently I'm not the only one that thinks he's a dick because his entire team quit on him. Uh, I think it's called Ghost, not Ghost Ship Games, but there was another game company he started and had some kind of like narrative choose-your-own-adventure type game going on. His entire staff quit on him. Probably because he was a dick. Um, that's just me adding words there, but that's that's my perception. He did release a trailer for a game called Judas that basically just looks like another Bioshock. It might be good, but I'll probably buy it on sale because I'm not a big Ken Levine fan after he ruined that for me. But it does look like an iteration on Bioshock. It really doesn't look that much different. It just Bioshock under a different name. The aesthetic... It's a dude with guns and powers, right? But it looks like it's mechanically altered powers. Who knows? It looked like another iteration of Bioshock, and that's the niche that he's put himself in um, as the only thing he's really good at. But something that's interesting, and we're talking about Elden Ring, is From Software is also the original publisher for the Armored Core games. Um, they released a trailer for Armored Core um, 6, that looked really flipping cool. It is a complete, complete apples and oranges from Elden Ring. It's completely different, right? Giant robot fights, yeah. right? And I'm thinking that it might be something in the vein of... Because other Armored Core games, you could alter your loadouts and stuff like that. 
So kind of give you that like an action game style version of like a mech warrior or something like that in third person. Trailer is pretty freaking tight. I am not lying when I say that I will probably pick that up maybe day one. We'll see. Um, I'm pretty stoked to play some Armored Core. I feel like I'm missing some stuff, though. Is there something that stood out to you that I didn't even mention? Not really, no. I mean, um, there was some uh, way too early stuff for... Um, well, no, not even that. I can't really think of anything. I think there was a Bayonetta 3 trailer, but eh, way too early for that. I know there's a first spoken um, um, demo out if you have one of the versions of PS Plus. So that is something that's out there right now. Um, oh, Remnant 2. I forgot about Remnant 2. Remnant 2 trailer. There you go, yeah. That's another dark fantasy game. Um, I played the hell out of that. Me and Rusty beat it twice um, with different builds. That game is really fun. Um, that's going to be out next year. It didn't have a release date, but I'm really stoked for that. I will play the hell out of that. And I know uh, Last of Us is coming to PC as well here in March. So if you've never played that, um, I think you should do that. And then I guess there's there is no gameplay release, but... Dead Cells has a Castlevania crossover DLC, but some arriving sometime first quarter next year. Um, what was the other one? Wild Hearts was the one that I didn't mention. So Wild Hearts was a game that I want to play that looks like a co-op, um, <coughs> a darker version of Monster Hunter. So full disclosure, like Monster Hunter... Um, Sunbrick came out this year, and I have barely touched it um, for whatever reason. It's because I don't have anybody to play it with. I really liked Monster Hunter when I had somebody to play with regularly, but I just haven't had that. Yeah, um, I mean, I've got the base game. I just don't have it near the DLC. But Wild Hearts kind of looks like a slightly darker version of a Monster Hunter, and that comes out in like two or three months. So huge fights with big creatures with kind of that Monster Hunter style of weird tribal samurai thing going on. But it, it looks like a Monster Hunter clone, but I'm, I'm here for it. Um, that'll be out on PC as well. But I want to say February is when that's coming out. There was some stuff about Dune that really didn't tell us about Dune Awakening other than it's a open world survival MMO. Yeah. Um, there's the Dead Cells Return to Castlevania. Oh, I just, uh, which really was just an anime trailer. Yeah, uh, and I just talked about that, but that's we don't even know what that looks like, but it makes sense with Dead Cells being very Castlevania-based. Um, Horizon Call of the Mountain. Um, no, not Horizon. Horizon Zero Dawn had a uh, trailer for a new DLC coming out in March that was based in Hollywood, so I guess I really need to finish Horizon. Um so I can play the DLC if I end up liking it. So come back to me when we get to Game Awards, and hopefully by then I've beaten Forbidden West, and maybe I changed my position on it to actually really liking that game. Because I did actually like the first one. I just, certain things about the aesthetic and certain things about the story kind of got on my nerves. Um, 
in certain parts of the gameplay got on my nerves. If we can just get to the part where I'm just going out and hunting creatures and taking them down for their parts and creating new and cool things, I'll probably get into that game. But it just hasn't clicked with me yet. And then I'm playing God of War, which also hasn't clicked with me in the same way as it. God of War feels finicky as shit. It feels like I, I have way too many tools in my tool belt. I need it to focus a little harder on what I got. There's a lot of extra button presses for some of the combos. Maybe I just suck at action games. I don't know. But, I mean, it's out a, of your mouth, not mine. I, I know. <laughs> I'm pretty good at Dark Tide. Um, it's also kind of one of those things. It's, it's got a not, more focused kit, too. Um, God of War Ragnarok's not holding your hand at the start of the game. Uh, like the previous one did either. No, I think it does. Kind of reintroducing you to it. I think it does, but it, it really wants you to either juggle or get into the extra combos of stuff. And it just, I, it just is the combat's not clicking with me, and that's why I keep straying away. And also, again, it's very narrative based, and that's part of the problem. But um, that's on me. I understand there's a lot of people that think it should be game of the year this year, so I need to finish it and get an opinion on it. Um, yeah. But I didn't really see – that's quite a bit, actually, that we yeah, went through. That's that's pretty much it. Um, so with that, find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channels, YouTube.com slash TiltCast, and search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends of the show. We've got Cabbage, KBG. We've got NoQuarters.net, um, BMFCast.com for the love of gaming, and TVGP.TV. They will also do a Game of the Year podcast. And with that, it's the end of the show. All right. Peace. Peace.